Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife as always, Liberty. We are a married couple with different hobbies, trying to get our significant other to finally like some stuff we like. And we're going to do that through the latest in news with books and sports. And today's everybody's favorite episode, maybe, sports? That's no one's favorite episode. Oh, okay. Because we started with the NFL last week, we're going to start with the NHL this week. I could only put up with that nonsense for one week. (laughs) Got it. The current playoff picture, as it stands, we are currently in the conference finals. In the West, Dallas is leading the series 3-1, to which was shocking to me. Well, as I think I stated originally, it's going to be a battle of offense versus well-rounded team. And so far, the offense is pulling it out. They're just putting up enough goals to keep the well-rounded team down. And then in the East, Tampa Bay is leading their series 2-1, to which I, again, was not expecting. I would disagree a little bit. I think Tampa Bay is the better team. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Islanders because I really, really want the head coach of the Islanders to get back to the Stanley Cup after he was fired after winning the Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals. Right. And the last round, I called all the wins. I think this one, I'm just going to get it all wrong because I wanted Vegas to win. I wanted New York to win. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Vegas is going to have to go on a hot streak for three games in a row. Yeah. To move on to the next round. What's crazy is I originally was talking a lot of trash amongst my peers because we live in Dallas. Yeah. And it was like, listen, it's going to be a good close series. And so far, Leonard, who's been more or less lights out, is really not been quite that much. Like... (laughs) You really can't blame him for the second goal of the night Last yesterday. Night. Oh, when yeah. we watched that, I was like, I don't blame him. It's not his fault. And that puck I don't was even knuckling know how that more than a knuckleballer could throw on a pitching mound. So like, I also think that it went off of his glove slightly. Like it hit the top Just, of his glove yeah. and redirected all the way in. And so like either he could have missed it and it wouldn't have gone in or he could have caught it. But what happened is in between and it just went in. Yeah, just went right up on a weird route and passed him, so. And my team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, ended up trading Nick Bugstad for a draft pick from the Wild for 2021. It's conditional. I don't know what the conditions are. It's related to whether the Wild make it so many rounds into the playoffs and whether they qualify and that affects like whether it's going to be a third second or first rounder our gm jim rutherford basically came out and said that this player has trouble staying healthy and i don't like trading people for picks i just think it's dumb in reality, Bugstad was injured for what, like over 80% of the season last year? And it was multiple injuries. It's not like he got hurt once and then was on the bench for that period of time. Right, right. So. I can understand that he's not getting enough ice time to be valuable, but I don't understand trading for just a pick. Well, and at the same time, too, Bugstad, it's not like he's never performed. So, like, you're trading right. away a guy that does have a track record of performing, but because he was hurt most of the season, you didn't get to see it. So, you're like, ah, next. Right. And I think if we're going to talk about draft picks for players, you really would have to go into the nitty gritty of, like, so they ended up picking this person from that draft pick, and that person went on to do this, that, and the other. 
And so you'd have to go back several years to discuss all the sorts of weird trades like that that happened. We can do that if you'd like. I don't know that our listeners would enjoy that, but I would thoroughly enjoy the deep dive because, you know, I'm a nerd like that. I know there are other people who do that and it's like a whole tree and a graph of everything. It gets really intense really fast. Insane. So, I mean, maybe this draft pick is it's going to be exactly what we need, but maybe not. Uh, it all depends on kind of how the Wild perform. Obviously, the Wild did qualify for the playoffs this year. Didn't do much in it. Almost no one didn't qualify. All I have to say is, like, with the NHL playoffs and then the Stanley Cup playoffs technically being two different things, almost everyone was there at the beginning. How about we state it? The Wild would have qualified during the regular season if it wasn't for COVID. So, like, we'd be in the same But do we really know that? Because there were games left to be played before the playoffs. It wasn't like immediately we were about to go to the playoffs. We could argue about this around for circles for hours because you are going to argue the point opposite of my own. So, yeah. That's what I'm here for. So, staying on the subject of trades and draft dates or dates that are being changed in calendars, we have also the NHL draft receiving the date of October 6th. So, three days before free agency starts, the draft will happen, which... It's a little weird because normally they coincide because you want to be able to trade players in free agency, I guess, sometimes during the draft. So you have three days to do it. Otherwise, it's back to free agency. All these players are going to be unrestricted. Okay. But speaking of trades as well, the Hurricanes traded the signing rights to future UFA defenseman Joel Edmondson for a 2020 fifth round draft pick to the Montreal Canadiens. The Hurricanes already had eight defensemen signed this year, so they clearly didn't need this player. Yeah. Edmondson has been called up and brought down and called up and brought down all season long. So it was like, if we trade him away for a pick for this draft, maybe we'll get somebody we want. That'll stick around. Right. That's pretty much all the trades I had. There was just the one more trade and then I have a million awards to go over. So we'll let you get back to your NHL things, I guess. Well, like you said, free agency is going to be three days after the draft. So it's October 9th at noon Eastern. And because the salary cap for the next season, 2020 and 2021... It's going to be $81.5 million, just like it was before, and it's going to kind of create this crunch for teams that are looking to re-sign players, especially their big names. Yeah. Because like with Boston, they have a handful of players they need to re-sign and everyone wants more money and everyone wants longer terms. And I don't know how you're going to do that when you don't have all that extra space. For once, it very much makes me happy to say we don't have that many RFAs or unrestricted free agents in Chicago. The big name, obviously, is Corey Crawford. I could care less whether or not he stays. Like I would like to see him stay because I want to see him play his whole career in Chicago. Chicago because I love goalies that do that and I respect them. Dare we say Martin Brodeur who literally trudged through in New Jersey for the longest time through the goods and bads. Two notes real quick. You couldn't care less and I'm pretty sure his name is Martin Brodeur. Okay. If you want uh, the French Canadian pronunciation of his name. I do. Yeah. That's how Uh, you're supposed to say people's names. But anyways, back to what we were saying since the wife's done correcting me on everything. I will never be done correcting you. (laughs) Clearly. But it would be a bummer to see him leave. But at the same time, it's just like the dude wants a longer term contract and he wants guaranteed playing time. And the reality of it is he played mediocre all season this season. Right. Played well-ish the year before that. Like he had no defense the year before that. So he really didn't have the support he would need as a goalie to actually be a goalie. 
a decent goalie. On an average night, he was facing anywhere from 38 to 40 plus shots a night. So just like, you know. I'm thinking if you don't deal with your Crawford problem, because I do think you have a problem. I don't think it's just a little issue. It's like a big deal. Then I think your newest coach, the young guy, is going to go bye-bye very quickly because he's had one and a half seasons now to turn it around. And albeit this last season was weird, but they don't have a lot of patience, these GMs and these people who make that decision on coaching staff. We won't go into GMs. I don't think Stan Bowman's really made great choices. We'll just leave it at that. Keep it simple because, again, if we if I go down that rabbit hole, we'll be talking for hours yeah. about how much I hate Stan Bowman and trades he's made that have been bad. I'm just saying, if you don't deal with Crawford, you're going to be dealing with losing a coach. Yeah, I think not resigning Crawford isn't the end of the world because we do have young talent right now in the AHL that are realistically ready to start in the NHL. Right. They, they're just not getting the opportunities to do that. So it's kind of like a Jari situation where when he was coming up and down all the time, like yeah. he really, like he couldn't show you his stuff because you're not giving him an every night situation. Yeah. We don't even want to get into my goalie thing because there are so many rumors going around about Jari and Murray. Murray's going to be gone, I think, by the time trade deadline is We're going to have to wait and see how it shakes out. I don't want to deal with the rumors because my emotions can't handle it. So They're both UFAs, so... Someone's going to get signed and someone's not is my thought, but... 100%. I'm not going to say who's who. Right. And like you said, the 2020 draft is going to be held on October 6th for the first round. The rest of the rounds are going to happen on the 7th. And they're doing it virtually, from what I read. Yeah, it'll be similar to uh, the NFL draft and the NBA drafts and all that yeah, stuff. So. Where you get to sit at home with your family and you probably already have the hat that of the team that's picked you and the jersey of the team that's picked you because like that kind of stuff exists. Either I don't that or know. do they just send them like a box of hats? <laughs> I honestly and then don't jerseys. know how that So would like work. you have just a blank jersey and then the front and they just ship you them from like whoever's the first four picks or whatever. Like you're like, oh yeah, here's your jersey. I stack. think things get so weird during the draft that I don't think it'd be possible just to ship them one i think everyone would have to have everything and then you put on the right thing and ship the rest back or something i don't know <laughs> but be. the rangers are expected to select lafreniere at number one the senators and devils each have three first round picks which is insane yeah so what's even crazier for the devils is they've been building up a lot of young talent the senators are realistically in their first rebuild year last year they started it but they didn't have nearly the amount of picks that they have this year so it's going to be the beginning of their rebuild i don't know that my team even has three picks in the draft period you do but they're very well spread out to say the least our gm just likes to go we don't need to participate in the draft well you don't have a first rounder anymore no yeah and the first round is going to be happening at 7 p.m eastern and again the rest of the rounds are the next day yeah as always get the first round done and gone and then on to the next and the last thing i have for the nhl before you get into your awards is robin leonard denies reports that he's already agreed to a contract with the golden knights he's going to be a free agent on october 9th unless something changes between now and then but he said he's frustrated with all the rumors happening right now because he's trying to play hockey and not deal with all the emotions that come with trying to get signed somewhere. Yeah, they're in the same situation you guys are, where both goalies will be UFAs at the end of the season. So it's just kind of like, 
Gotta pick. I think this is really the year of trying to nail down the right goalies for the right teams. Cause for a long period of time, too, realistically. There's the Knights, the Blackhawks, the Penguins. All of us have weird goalie situations going on right now. Yeah, and dare we talk about Dallas. Ben Bishop, who has been supposedly the rock for previous seasons, this year being just rolling hot garbage. And Maybe. then Kudobin, who has been a longtime senior player in the NHL, been bounced around all over God's creation. We watched him play for the San Diego Goals in the AHL just three or four years ago, for crying out loud. So yeah. it's just like the guy has had a lot of experience in the NHL and is finally hitting that groove, and I love it so much because, you know me, I'm a Dominic Hasek fan. I love the little goalies that are really active and make crazy saves, and yeah. Hugh Dobin is that dude, 100%. So The thing with goalies like that is they have to overexert themselves to do as well as the taller goalies. Yeah. So then you run into, like, a gas problem. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. You will. Yeah. But with Bishop, there was one game, was it last week? He didn't even dress for one of them. It yeah, was... they didn't even dress him up. And he's not injured. He was just a healthy scratch. Yeah, and you never want to be a healthy scratch. No, definitely not. Especially if you're coming up on a contract extension. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it may, it's not the last year that he's on contract. I think he is still under contract for one more season, but the reality is Hudobin is on UFA at the end of the season, and if they're smart, they're going to resign him. There's just really nobody in their AHL system that's ready to come up and be a starter, so it's like you can't put Bishop back in unless you have high hopes that it was just an off year. Who was the backup that night that Bishop didn't dress? I, it was just an AHL goalie, I don't right? even know who he was. I didn't catch his name. Yeah, yeah. so a little nobody's getting the backup yeah i don't know that he's a nobody i'm sure he's a good goalie but like well he's not known to people who don't follow the team specifically yeah like super close by any means yeah and the same thing could be said about the blackhawks obviously like we have colin delia and he's made a couple appearances in the nhl but that's really about it it's too bad that they're playing in edmonton right now why is that? Because if they had been playing in Toronto, they could have gotten their uh, Zimboni driver to play for them. Yeah, they could have. He did well. Yeah, didn't do bad. Carolina sent him all sorts of swag afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, let's get into some awards. I know that it's not everybody's favorite thing in the entire world, but Lou Lamarillo won the GM of the Year award. He's the Islanders general manager. Thank you. I had no idea. For obvious reasons, kudos to him. He's really built an amazing team with a bunch of guys that... Honestly, nobody really knew the names of until he started putting in the last couple pieces into play. Brought in one of the greatest coaches, I think, actively in the NHL, shy of like Quinville when he was in his prime. So I'm excited. I, I think he's built a roster that's going to go on for years to do good things. And the Islanders have been the laughing stock for the NHL for a long, 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 long time. So it's good to see somebody come in with a good brain and put the pieces in place and start to build a team that honestly could win the Stanley Cup if they turn it around against Tampa Bay again tonight so yeah I still think they have a chance I think I Tampa Bay is a team that's always had trouble actually getting there they do a good job and they're good on paper but actually finishing they have a problem yeah even in the Stanley Cup against the Blackhawks so yeah. you know there's always a chance that they just fall apart right now they went up two games to none and Islanders squeaked out the last one and they're probably gonna get this next one a lot of things are been said even from the head coach of the Lightning we don't expect this series to be played like that blowout game that started right, it all right. so I think they just had a lot of rest a change in environment which helps your mental state because yeah. they went from Toronto to Edmonton and then they got a chance to have new experiences there which also 
releases you know, all the happy chemicals in your brain. the Islanders had one day off, then they traveled, and then they played. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't nearly have the rest that, obviously, the Lightning had in that series. Yeah. And then Nathan McKinnon wins the Lady Bing Trophy. Uh, this is the one that Austin Matthews was up for, for being, like... A gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, which he's clearly not. Yeah. So... But yeah, it's the award for best sportsmanship, gentlemanly conduct, and ability on the ice. He edged out both Austin Matthews and Ryan O'Reilly. It was closer on the vote than I expected it was. It wasn't that far off. Obviously, Austin Matthews did finish up in third. So Ryan O'Reilly and McKinnon were the ones that were closer to one another in the rankings for that. And then we go on to the next award for the Selkie Trophy. I know we don't like the Flyers. But Sean Couturier, I think I got that one right. Couturier. Couturier. Yep. Is uh, winning the award. That award is for the best defensive forward. So as a forward, you're the best defensive player in the NHL as a forward. Okay. And then the Jack Adams Award was given to Bruce Cassidy. That award is for the best coach during the regular season. You had, obviously, John Tortorella in the mix with that one as well. I was pulling for torts just because I love the fiery attitude he carries amongst himself, like... As well, too, his press conferences are so entertaining to watch. If you don't watch them, you should. Is uh, he the one that did a press conference where one of the people interviewing him, his phone went off and he answered it? No, not quite like that, but he's very short with the press sometimes. Like, if they ask stupid questions, he's like, that's a stupid question, next question. That's, like, his the way he, he handles his press conferences. Who am I thinking of, then? I don't know, but that's that's not who it was, but that's... Okay. That'd be funny. It did see. happen. Yeah, oh, I believe it. Especially right now with the bubble, like, who, who's going to stop you? Your video camera zooming in to do your actual interview with him, so... Obviously, Bruce Cassidy is the head coach for the Boston Bruins. Their performance winning the President's Trophy makes sense as to why he won that award, and... And then we have the Bill Masterston, uh, Masterton Memorial Trophy. Say that five times fast. I won't ever be able to do that. That one was won by Bobby Ryan from the Ottawa Senators. The trophy is given to the player that best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to the sport of hockey. Ryan battled with alcohol abuse for most of his career. Yeah. It's not something new. You know, he's been healthy scratched multiple times due to alcohol-related usage over his years. But he checked himself into the Players Association rehab-style system that is provided for players that get into these types of things. And he battled back and has since been clean, like not a sip of alcohol, which is awesome for him. Yeah. But in his first game back, when the organization let him back to be a part of the team, he scored a hat trick, which... Is just unbelievable. Like, the guy came out of, like, a rocket. You know, it's amazing what happens when you stop putting chemicals in your body that can hinder your performance. Go figure. Well, I also think you have to have, like, a lot of mental health work before you can get over addiction. Yeah. And I think when you're clear-minded and not dealing with all of those mental problems, it definitely helps your game as well. Well, he left in late October to go check himself into the rehab facility and didn't play until late February. So, like, right before COVID hit, he got to play a couple games, so... Obviously, the other opportunity was Oscar Lindblom from the Flyers. Again, I, we don't like the Flyers, but the dude literally beat cancer and came back to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's Didn't like, he get a goal? He did. He scored a goal. Yeah, yeah, so... And the guy the entire time as he was coming back was either present with the team still at their games to try to keep the spirits up and stuff like that. So not only is he battling cancer, but he cared so much about the team to just be there all the time. 
Yeah. And he was at workouts and, like, trying to work back to being back to full strength and all that. So if you had to lose, it's sad that that's what lost, you know, in my mind. But yeah. my opinion, not the NHLs, clearly. Yeah. And then we had the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. It was awarded to Minnesota Wild Matt Dumba. The trophy is awarded to the player that best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his local community. The previous year it was also won by a Minnesota Wild player, now Pittsburgh Penguins player. I'm blanking on his name right now. It was the one that you guys just traded for recently. Is it Zucker? Yep, Jason Zucker. Jason Zucker won that award last year, so it continues to stay in the hands of the Minnesota Wild in that category. He obviously was one of the most vocal players on the subject of racial injustice and equality in the NHL. He made an appearance at the Blackhawks game and knelt with a couple of the players on the ice during the national anthem for that series. And then also in the next day in his game for the Wild, through both national anthems, held up a fist during the national anthem itself. So he's very, very much tied to a lot of the social injustices with African Americans in the United States. And in the hockey world, there's obviously not a lot of African American players. Percentage-wise, it's the smallest in any sport in the United States. So it's good to see him kind of like taking the charge on that. He also was one of the co-founders for the Hockey Diversity Alliance. He founded that in June. Again, he kind of so showing that he's fighting for the injustices that are going on within hockey, outside of hockey, all that kind of stuff. He also started a charity project in Minneapolis called Rebuild Minnesota after the protests that broke out into more riot-based burning of like businesses and things like that sadly which occurs from time to time stemming from the death of George Floyd he raised a little over five million dollars to kind of help rebuild those neighborhoods that were affected by it because a lot of the times it's neighborhoods that these people actually live in that get damaged and there are a lot of mom and pops obviously the money didn't go to like Target you know, Target has insurance to cover their own stuff. Right. It was more for rebuilding the homes and, like, cleaning up the streets and the graffiti and things like that that were left behind from the protests. Not only is he trying to help the community recover from things, but he also is speaking out against the hatred of and, like, mistreatment of African-American people in the United States. So it's it's kind of cool to see somebody take really the strong points of one thing and then also help the community at the same time. So, like, when it comes to deserving this trophy... I don't think anybody else really was at that level of that list capability, I don't think, in the NHL currently. That's pretty much all I have for awards. I do have one more bit of news in the NHL. Uh, Mark Recchi uh, was hired as an assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. Another ex-Penguins assistant coach ending up in literally the same division that you guys are in. Uh, One of them went to New York. The other one went to uh, New Jersey, obviously, so... So in the East, we just like mixing up our coaches. Yeah, clearly, because you hired the Caps' previous head coach literally days after he was let go from Washington. So, yep. But where would you like to head off to next? The NFL, I guess. Okay. The Titans' first round pick, Isaiah Wilson, was arrested for a DUI. I'm glad you uh, got that bit of news. I saw it, I just didn't really do a deep enough dig to kind of read what was going on with it. Well, Tennessee selected him to solidify their future at right tackle. I assume that means he's on the right side of that line and that he tackles people. Yep. He started training camp 
on the COVID reserve list, struggled while he was able to start practices, and then put back on the COVID reserve list. He also received a trespassing warning last month after attending a party near the Tennessee State University campus. So he just likes doing things he shouldn't be doing. And the Titans coach, Mike Vrabel, said, you're not going to be able to control a professional athlete outside of the building. Mike Vrabel, FYI, is notorious for just saying things that make people hate him sometimes. Um, Good job. Yeah, he's very outspoken, was one of the best defensive players in the game for a number of years. So he's been in and out of a lot of organizations that have been leaders in winning, including the New England Patriots. So I kind of get where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's like, listen, you are somebody that a lot of young kids look up to in your local community because you are a first-round draft pick. Right. Like, you can't be the symbol of the future and then just be causing hell in your own community. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. I don't understand the logic that you can't control what someone's going to do because you can have consequences for your actions that aren't just legal. Yeah. Because when it's just a fine or something like that, all you have to do is pay and you're fine to do whatever the hell you want. Right. Yeah, it, it's not a good look for a first-rounder. Obviously, he will hopefully, like, open up his eyes and realize he's being an idiot right now. And It's such a waste, too. Yeah, truly. Because, like, he's not, not going to be put on any roster if he's going to continue to act like that. Like, we haven't learned anything from Antonio Brown, who's literally been bumped from multiple teams in just a month based Is on his actions. Is that the helmet guy? Yeah. I hate him. Yeah. But we'll continue kind of with charges of things being brought up against people. Because there's a bigger one. Oh, yay. I think I told you a little bit about this one last night. Josh Bellamy used to be a Bears player. Obviously, he's not following the rules and regulations of the Hallis family anymore, where they're required to be gentlemen and act like it in the community of Chicago, because otherwise you get cut. He's being charged for a COVID-19 relief scheme that he's committed with one of his companies. Currently, the charges that are being brought against him are for wire fraud, bank fraud, and the conspiracy to commit wire and bank fraud. It gets better. U.S. Department of Justice is the group of folks that are bringing charges against him. So not as he only being brought up on charges, but the highest charges in the land currently for the law. They're claiming he's received $1.2 million in illegal paycheck protection program loans for his company Drip Entertainment LLC. The entire scheme was estimated being worth over $24 million right now, is what the Department of Justice is saying currently. Okay, so there's a saying that when things happen, you're supposed to look for the helpers. But the thing that never gets talked about is look at the people who are hindering everything and everyone. Right. The prosecutors say that Bellamy spent $62,000 at a Florida casino the weekend after he received this money. He also spent $104,000 on items at luxury stores like Dior, Gucci, and various jewelers. He also allegedly withdrew $302,000 in petty cash. Yeah. Just a pocket money, you know? That's petty cash? Yeah, that's what they're using the term for. Yeah, it must be nice to have $302,000 as pocket cash. Right. Needless to say, it does not look good for Josh Bellamy. And we'll see what all comes down in the next week or two. But it just uh, It's especially infuriating because, like, if you're a professional athlete, why do you need to do something like this? You don't. Yeah. Especially if it's a major sport in the United States, like football is, like... You don't need that kind of money. Like, I get it. He's a business owner, and and the idea of using the 
Paycheck Protection Program, he was allowed to use it. He just asked for way more than he qualified for and got it. And that's where he's being brought up on the charges. So it's just like, if you weren't so greedy and you actually asked for what you deserved, like firstly, other small businesses could have gotten that money and actually needed it. Yeah. And could have stayed open for a longer period of time. It's just kind of a bummer that he's abusing the system, clearly. But I don't know if you have any other NFL news. I have more cheery news after this. I don't know if you do, though. The last piece I have for the NFL is the Denver Broncos and their kicker, Brandon McManus, have come to an agreement on a four-year extension. He'll be kept with the team through the 2024 season. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a $17.2 million extension with a $9.5 million guarantee. Yeah. He, uh, for a kicker, that's really good pay. Yeah, yeah. I want to know who negotiated that for him. Yeah, his agent. And he probably got a pretty big chunk of that guaranteed money, I would right. imagine. I also have a million of other signings. Uh, the Saints signed their running back. What's nice about this is there was a lot of discussion that the Saints were going to trade this player. He's been pretty much one of their most solid running backs they have. So, like, it was weird that they would even contemplate moving him. But the fear of how big the contract was going to have to be was the reason they were talking about trading him. Oh, okay. And it was big. They signed him, uh, Alvin Kamara, to a five-year extension at $75 million with a $34.33 million guaranteed amount of money so uh they weren't wrong it was definitely going to be big that is what i call a stupid amount of money it's so much money it makes you stupid that extension puts him at an aav with the highest running backs in the league basically tied for second as the highest second highest so at 15 million dollars a year cha-ching right also uh speaking of running backs that signed this was a more no-doubter. We all knew that the Vikings were going to re-sign this guy because he was their number one running back last year and has been for two years now, so it made sense that they were going to re-sign him. Vikings signed Dalvin Cook to a five-year extension at $63 million with $28 million guaranteed. So not quite as big of a contract as Alvin Kamara, but still a pretty hefty payday himself. The Rams signed Cooper Cup to a three-year extension at $48 million. The guaranteed amount of money was kept hush-hush. It wasn't made public, so he kind of, uh, who knows. 100% guaranteed. It's I doubt it. Cooper Cup's a great wide receiver, but I don't know that he's 100% guaranteed money. 92% guaranteed money. Yeah, who knows. It could be a dollar for all we know at this point. <laughs> And then that's all the signings I have for, like, contracts-wise, anyways. Um, I have a little bit more news. The Dolphins announced that they will stay in the locker room during the National Anthem for games this season. They will not be participating in it. Uh, It's kind of their way to stand up to the NFL and the U.S. government with the way they're handling the situation currently with African-American citizens. What's funny about this is I remember a discussion a few years ago after the very first person kneeling at an NFL game, and... I distinctly remember someone in your family at Thanksgiving dinner saying that it'd be fine if he just stayed in the locker room until the kickoff. And now it's like, what about a whole team staying in the locker room? Are you going to get pissed off about that? Yeah, everybody. Nobody's going to be there. And it was weird as well with the Chiefs and the Houston Texans. The Texans stayed in the locker room for the National Anthem. And there were a couple of players that kneeled amongst the Chiefs. 
and they were literally being booed by their own fans for that. And it's like, it's not like everybody kneeled. They interlocked arms and like two or three players kneeled. It's like, on, get over yourself. Like, on Jesus. top of that, you were saying you don't want the violent looting and rioting and all this stuff that's happening. And then but you're getting then peaceful protests and you're like, When Arr. peaceful protest is actually happening, you're having a cow? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Like the only way that a racist is going to be happy about people trying to stand up against racism is when they're not standing up anymore yeah yeah and so like it's a good move by the dolphins announcing it early on you know they haven't even had their first game so it won't be like a shocker to their fans or anything like that uh it was weird seeing fans in the stadium it was very 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 limited to how many people were in there there were almost whole sections that were just four or five people sitting in and that's it so i can't imagine how expensive the seats would be or if it's one of those things where we just want someone to show up so we'll make them really low i'm not sure how it really broke down i imagine it probably offers the season ticket holders and then just going like hey we know that you didn't pay for these games right now but did you want to come and maybe pay for these games to sit in the stadium well it's like what happened when mls came back like they kept texting us hey those are updated plan literally every week that they play so that would make sense and then, obviously, the Chiefs ended up winning the first game of the season, 34-20. to 20. Holmes threw 24 completions to 32 passes for 211 yards and three touchdowns. He had a QB rating of 123.3, which is not perfect, but pretty darn close to a perfect quarterback rating score. I don't know what a QB rating is. It would take me hours to explain to you, so it's just better that we leave it He got graded and he did well. He did well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He performed well, to say the least. But that's all the NFL news I have for Thank this God. week. Yeah, and that uh, painful segment for you. Mm -hmm. For the MLB, they currently have a postseason bubble plan that they're awaiting approval on. And the World Series, I guess this is like the the end of your playoffs? Yeah, the championship. It's the Stanley Cup final, basically. Okay, so that would be happening October 20th in Arlington and would end no later than October 28th. So it would be a little over a week here in Texas, basically. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The new stadium just got built, so the facilities are going to be like perfect because they're brand new and you have domed or not domed so if you wanted to play a game in air conditioning you could do that if it's hot and if it's not roll it back and just enjoy the beautiful skies of texas because they go on forever north texas weather at that part of the year it's not going to be blistering hot even if it's warm it's not going to be like a summer game or something more likely the stadium will be open or if it's raining it will be closed yeah those will be what more likely what will be happening and I know they've got plans for, like, the rest of the playoffs leading in, but yeah. I looked at it and it made my head hurt. So I just went, nope, that's not for me to write about. It's not too complicated, believe it or not. So obviously, And the writer who wrote it for ESPN is an idiot. Yeah, that's why I don't use ESPN for much of my sports notes. But they basically, it's pretty straightforward. The NHL, or the NHL, geez. Ah, the Uh, NHL. You got it on my mind. Hockey on my mind all day. The National League bubble will be played in Houston and in Arlington here in Dallas, Fort Worth area. Okay. The teams will be basically playing in one of those two bubbles through to where they get to, like, the actual National League championship game, in which case then they'll be back here in Arlington. We are the Edmonton of this situation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So everything is going to end up here in, in Texas. 
and then the American League bubble will be played in LA and in San Diego. The reason they did this is because Houston and the Texas Rangers are both in the American League, so there's no home field advantage. These guys don't play nearly that many games in either of the stadiums, any of the teams that come from the National League. So it's going to be a learning curve for everybody, and that in turn makes it fair. And the American League teams obviously will be playing in National League stadiums in LA and in San Diego. I think it's going to be interesting to see the games in San Diego because it is a home run hitter's ballpark park a little shallow and left right field's a little long uh center field's pretty deep so like the right-handed batters are going to have a field day there if they're home run hitters but i thought all of their it's not a pitch the diamond the field the field i thought it all had to be regulation what the do you infield mean? is yes the outfield is not regulated by any means that's weird so obviously they're not going to make it like 100 foot wall in left field by any means but at the same time they roughly have to have the same square area on the field it's just a matter of how it kind of all breaks down that's so stupid did you not ever know that i hate that yeah it's dumb for the longest time um i believe it was was it here in arlington no there was another stadium they actually had a hump in center field so like it was like a hill you'd run all the way out there and then you have to run up this little hill to make catches at the center field fence I never understood why it was there. It really didn't serve a purpose other than it being a pain in the rear. It's gone now, but still strange. Sports ball is weird. Either way, you have American League teams playing on National League fields and National League teams playing on American League fields to make sure that it's a fair series, which I think is good. Yeah. And speaking of Southern California, two Giants-Padres games were postponed after positive test in the Giants organization. This literally, the postponement happened minutes before the scheduled start on Friday. Yeah, and the best part about it is it came hours after the MLB announced two weeks of no COVID positive tests. Uh, so don't worry about three week three. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> one, one positive test. So close. There have been 50 major league games postponed this season because of the virus. Yeah. Good job, guys. The good news for the Padres on that end is they have been playing extremely well in the doubleheaders, so odds are they're going to do pretty well with whatever doubleheader games they're going to have to make up against the Giants, so kudos to them continuing an amazing season that they're having. Is that all the news you have for MLB? I've got lots of injuries and recoveries, I guess. So for recoveries, I have Yankees, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton. Mm-hmm. They might be back in the lineup by next weekend. Manager Aaron Boone said on Friday that both players are at the tail end of their recovery. So we're just basically waiting for them to get back in it. And these two guys are big powerhouse pieces for that offense. And somehow the Yankees have still stayed mediocre without them. Yeah, it's all about the depth. Yeah. For injuries, I have Oakland Athletics prospect A.J. Puck is set for shoulder surgery. He hasn't pitched this season because of this weird inflammation in his shoulder, and it's been requiring injections, similar to that guy who had the hand problem earlier. Yeah, Strasburg. He also underwent Tommy John surgery on his left elbow in 2018. So this kid is not having a good start. That's So Tommy John is becoming more and more common in the MLB. Is it because really... people throw weird? Well, they throw weird, but they also have to move their arm at certain angles, apply certain amounts of pressure, and that puts a lot of strain on your elbow itself. To get a lot of spin, yeah, you can 
you can really torque the elbow as you come around to get it. So that's the reason you don't teach young kids how to throw junk quite so early because it will blow out their elbow at a very young age. Yeah. What's crazy about it is is they Tommy John they remove part of ligaments from like your knee basically and put it in your elbow to strengthen it. But you need your knees. Well, the, again, it's pieces of it to just kind of force it to regrow more so than anything inside your arm. Mm-hmm. So it's very sciencey science surgery, but at the same time it's becoming very very common in the major leagues so i think in a few years you're going to start seeing these people have really bad knees because you decided to take out some ligaments as a pitcher it's not that important like as a human being you need your knees for the rest of your life that's all i have to say yeah but as a prospect player who can make millions of dollars in the next few years of his life it's kind of weighing that is that more important than you having good knees for the rest of your life so, like, obviously your ligaments in your knees are quite a bit stronger than the ones that are in your elbows. So, like, that's the purpose behind it. I understand the surgery. I understand the reason for the surgery. I understand the reason prospects might want to do this versus not doing it. Yeah. I just think they're stupid. It's been very successful for a lot of pitchers, and there really hasn't been that much negative outcome to come from it. So, uh, the surgery has been common, I would say, for at least 20 years. So, by now, we would start to see some of the side effects, I would imagine, and it hasn't really shown itself. It'll be a couple years you're going to start seeing them talk about, oh, I wish I didn't have that Tommy John surgery. (laughs) It'll be like the commercials on TVs. Have you had Tommy John John surgery? Yeah. Class action lawsuit. But this guy, Puck, had been set to join the athletics rotation in 2020 after making 10 relief appearances in 2019. So it's been kind of slow going for him. Yeah. And continuing with the athletics, their third baseman, Matt Chapman, hasn't played since Sunday, September 6th. He visited a doctor in Vail, Colorado on Friday, this past Friday, for a second opinion on tendonitis in his right hip. Also, he is going to be having surgery to repair a torn hip labrum at the same time. I didn't hear that. Yes, he is expected from that surgery alone to be out 12 to 16 weeks, which will put him beyond, obviously, the season. Yeah, so maybe next season. Yeah realistically it's like dude just get what you need done now especially considering you already have to have a surgery that's going to keep you out 12 to 16 weeks right just take your car into the shop let it all get fixed and then your car will be good to go whenever they're done i just think it's irony that they put him on the 10 day il like he'll be back no No. they're gonna end up putting him on the 10 then probably move him to the 40 and then just remainder of the season il and i thought they called that a disability list disabled list something like that yeah In a weird turn of injury events. This is the good one. We've had a lot of weird ones lately. Like, you had the dude that got hit in the nuts, the guy that fouled the ball off his own eyeball. Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of weird injuries happening in the major leagues. Continuing with the America's Funniest Home Videos of Injuries, the Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler ripped his fingernail when he was putting on his pants. Pair of jeans. Blue jeans did it to him. I really don't know how that could happen. Even more reason to just wear yoga pants all the time. Yeah. And that's the irony of it. A lot of sportscasters are like, that's why we wear sweats. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like, well, kudos to you. You can wear a suit above because it's just like, you know, Video. waist up videos. Yeah. Yeah, you can get away with that. But From what I read, he'll be day to day until it's healed enough for him to keep doing his job. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like he like ripped the nail completely off, but like... 
he bent it pretty badly, is what I'm hearing. So it's you know, gonna take a little bit of time for it to grow in. Like when I was again. a kid at daycare, they had a heavy door that fell on my big toe and it tore off my nail completely. Yeah, like that's what I was imagining. No. And you're telling me it's not. No, what a not, sissy. not that intense. And what a stupid way to get kicked out. It of the was lineup. on his throwing hand though. Like if you can't put pressure well, on it, like true, true. Like you know, you're a pitcher. That's literally what you do for a living. I'm just saying, if a little five-year-old girl can tolerate losing her big toenail you can handle this yeah you have any more injury news i have one that's all i have cool i have some sports news for injuries one more and then we'll tap out of that and continue on to the rest of the mlb news eric hosmer of the san diego padres fractured his left index finger during a bunt attempt so he went to bunt the ball and the pitch hit him in his hand jesus which is never something you want to have happen I didn't look up the actual speed of the pitch, but realistically, MLB pitchers throw anywhere from 83 miles an hour to 105. Even if it's 80 and it hits your hand while you're holding something, that's not good. A bat. So, like, in his instance, it would have been his left hand leading the bunt and, like, holding it, and it hit him in his index finger and the bat. And he will more than likely miss anywhere from two to six weeks is what they're estimating right now. Um, Well, you've broken a finger more recently than I have. Took way longer than two weeks to recover right. from it. Yeah, to say the least. I had about a three-quarter fracture through the one of my middle fingers. Exciting news. That was a blast. Let you me got tell to you. flip people off for a lot longer than six we- weeks. The worst part is I had to do interviews that week for a position and literally I had to write with my middle finger out because it was on my right hand. So I was flipping off everybody that I was interviewing, which was a great way to start a relationship with a new hire. Yeah, yeah. But I do have another weird, wacky news before we get into like the more like intense stuff. Justin Timberlake joins a movement to bring an MLB team to Nashville. If you don't know, he's from Memphis. I Uh, knew he was from somewhere I don't like, so that makes sense. uh, Or sorry, not from Memphis. He's from Nashville. So he's from that area, and he has always kind of supported the teams in Memphis and Nashville. He's a partial owner of the Memphis Grizzlies. And there's been a lot of talk about bringing another sports team to Nashville. He makes a lot of appearances at the Predators games. So, like, he's a a Tennessee fan, you know, of sports. I don't know that you need another one there. Yeah. Like, there are so many other places you could put a baseball team. The group is called Music City Baseball is the group that he's a part of. Makes sense. He's trying to bring that team to Nashville. Obviously, the MLB has no plans of expansion currently, so that would mean he'd have to motivate a team from somewhere else to build a stadium in Nashville and then move the organization there. I don't see that happening. Fat chance, currently, in my opinion. Unless you got a state or a city where they're, like, a lot really close together. Yeah. But I feel like Memphis and Nashville are still close enough that you don't need another team. Well, neither of them have a team in the major leagues currently. What? The Memphis Grizzlies are not a baseball team. No, they are not. They're an NBA basketball team. There you go. Yes. Sports ball is hard to One day you'll learn sports. (laughs) It will take time. The Memphis Grizzly baseball team. You've heard of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like bears. Yeah. Yeah. They're led by John Morant, rookie of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on from that. To the rest of baseball news. (laughs) Stop laughing at me. 
One of my favorite players was released this week from the Giants. The Kung Fu Panda himself, Pablo Sandoval. What? That's his name? That was his nickname, Kung Fu Panda. I love him. Yeah. He was a very heavy set man who didn't run very well, but he could sure hit a baseball real yeah. far. Um, well, if you just hit homers all the time, you don't have to run. You just can right, walk all the way around. Right. What's funny is, for a big man, he moved really quick. Like, it was freakily fast for as big as he is. Like, he stole bases as a big man, which is rare as all get out. But I remember watching him for a number of years in the glory years that the Giants had in more recent time. He won three World Series titles with him, with the Giants, and was the MVP in one of those years for the World Series. His play quality has obviously dropped in recent years. The Giants just signed a player to a minor league contract that they wanted to bring up to the major leagues, and he was kind of holding up the spot they wanted to put him in. So it's not shocking that they cut him. But at the same time, a hell of an era. He was a 10-year player there. Played with Boston for a little bit in between those two sets of experiences with the Giants. So it's sad to see him go. But uh, the Kung Fu Panda will forever be remembered as one of the greatest players during that era of the Giants' uh, success. At the very least, he has the best nickname. Yeah. And then we had a lot of scoring this week. Football-level scores in baseball this week. We had three of them. Start off with the White Sox winning 14-0 to two days ago. I um, guess technically that would be a football score. Yeah, 14-0, two, two touchdowns. Yeah. And that was against the Detroit Tigers. And in turn, they also were the laughing stock in another game earlier in the week between the Brewers and the Tigers where they lost 19-0. to Ouch. Five home runs were hit in that game. So... Do they just have one of those machines pitching? What is happening? No, no. They had their starting pitcher pitch, which is the awful part about it. In the White Sox game, Jose Abreu went yard twice and had six RBIs, which puts him up in the top three for RBIs in the major leagues currently this season. So White Sox guy's doing good things. Yeah. Go figure. He's also in the hunt for the home run record right now in the major leagues as well. So just like right there on everybody's tail, it's like, just keep going. You'll get it. But also... The one that is the most mind-boggling, the Braves defeating the Marlins 29-9. Craziness ensued. Did this have extra innings? Was there extra ball play? No. That was in nine innings? Just an absolute beating. Adam Duvall hit three home runs and had a total of nine RBIs in one game. Bonkers. Madness everywhere. I just don't know how you give up 29 runs. I don't think I've ever seen that in all the years I've watched baseball. Like, 29 runs, that's absolutely unheard of yeah so i would be so bored though it's almost as bad as an nba game when it gets to that high of a score because it's just so much all the batters get a run everyone no but a lot of batters went up and down for bats like they 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 were up to bat a lot Yeah, yeah but that's pretty much wraps up the baseball news i have i don't know if you have anything else hiding in there no thank god i'm excited to see justin timberlake try to own a baseball team i think that would be funny i want to see him try to be a baseball player what would the team name be for justin timberlake's baseball team in nashville out of sync out of sync yeah yeah hopefully they wouldn't be out of sync he'd probably want them to win well in sync is also a band's name so you can't have that yeah For the NBA, they are currently still playing in the playoffs. Three of the teams that are moving on to the finals for the conferences are are already settled. And one still has to figure out what they're doing. Currently, the LA Clippers are leading their series 3-2 for the West semifinals. Right. Who are they playing? The Nuggets. Yeah. The Nuggets are losing. And the Joker. 
Well, I don't care about the Joker, but I want the Nuggies to win. You want the Nuggies to win? And I think they play today at some point. Yes, so. they do. Yeah. Either it's going to get decided or the Nuggies will move it to seven games. Which would be exciting because they did that in the previous series as well. So Yeah. yeah. Go Nuggies. The Houston Rockets' Daniel House Jr. was booted from the bubble for violating safety protocols. According to the NBA... There's going to be an investigation, or there has been an investigation, that found House had an unauthorized guest in his hotel room for multiple hours on Tuesday, September 8th. So what's weird is the original accusation was that it was somebody from the healthcare team that was doing the tests, one of the women that was involved with that, decided, yeah, I'm going to go hook up with this guy. If that's the case, she's literally in the bubble too. Like, who cares in that instance? But at the same time, it's like... If it was an outside person, then yeah, absolutely boot him out. He didn't follow the rules or regulations at all. I assume since he got booted, it was someone who wasn't in the bubble already. Yeah, the the rumors that came out originally though were that it was somebody that was doing the tests, in which case it's like, who cares? Like, if you're letting them in the bubble already, they're probably living in the bubble, just maybe somewhere else. I don't know. The investigation didn't really release information beyond the fact that he was being kicked out of the bubble. Yeah. And that's it. And he wasn't going to be allowed to return, which really doesn't make too much of a difference at this point, I guess, because Houston's already out. So it doesn't make a difference at all for Houston. Did you have any other NBA news other than the house getting booted out of the house? Nope. No? Okay. The house has to go home. Um, We'll stay on Clippers news since we're talking a little bit about them. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers' new stadium has been approved by the Inglewood City Council unanimously. It should be finished before the 2024-2025 season. So they'll no longer be playing in the baby stadium next to the Lakers stadium, which is what they've done for the longest time. Could they not share a stadium? They've done that for a little while too, but they don't want to any longer. They want their own place. Leave it to L.A. and wanting all new stadiums everywhere because literally the Rams and the Chargers just got new stadiums. There's no space in L.A. for anything. Just stop. Yeah. Well, there will be because the city of Inglewood is going to give them the property to do it. So. Yeah. But the NBA is planning on commencing the draft combine in late September. They didn't really have any dates committed to it, but they're going to do it kind of an interesting way. The combine will be virtual, so scouts will not be allowed at the combine themselves. Okay. It will be bubble-based, so players that want to participate in the combine will be put into, I believe it was like four or five different combine locations with all the same equipment setups and things like that, so they're capable of performing the same that they would if they were all in one place. Right. Letting players in one at a time, not having like, next, you're up, next, you're up, next, you're up, so they'll go through the combine by themselves. So my question is about formatting. So like, do you do one player does all the tricks and jumps through all the hoops and then goes home or do you do one of the tests and then he goes away and someone else does the same test and they so go away i think they're going to do it in segments where they are probably going to do like three tests at a time so that like there will be multiple players doing it during the day at the same time it's just going to be a matter of basically how many they're going to do in a single day's period i guess because i'm just thinking you would be so gassed if you had to jump through all the hoops and do all the things all at once. Like, your performance would go down over time, I would assume. Right. Versus doing all of the people for one thing and then moving on to the next thing and doing all the people for that. Right. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. I'm kind of excited to see what comes of it, I guess. It's going to be weird. I don't know. I've never been a fan of trying to do different things, like, separately from one another, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't know. I think it was always going to be weird because of COVID. I think no matter how the format is, it's going to be strange. Right. 
But I think the Combine, it's going to be interesting the way they handle it. I'm excited to see how it breaks down because, like, obviously there's really not a lot of information out there about it right now. They don't even have, like, a solidified date as to when it's going to happen Which is weird because it's the middle of September. Yeah. I would imagine they want to do it at the end of September. Yeah, I would imagine we'll probably hear about it this week. They'd have to, like, to be reality, to get players there to properly quarantine before they start doing all these facility events and stuff. Right. Yeah. The NBA told board of directors that they do not have plans to start the 2020-2021 season until after Christmas. Which is what I expected. Yeah. I honestly expect all sports... That are resetting. ...to come back in, like, January. Yeah. But the NBA is considering hosting the NBA draft on November 18th. So, realistically, if the combine gets pushed back a little bit, it's not going to be the end of the world because they're not expecting to do it until the middle of November for the actual draft itself. So it's not the end-all, be-all, I guess, in that instance. And then the OKC Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder, if you don't know the shortened terminology, I guess, for it. You should. But yeah. Well, you're from Oklahoma, and I know you're from Oklahoma, so I know what the shortened hand is for OKC. Part ways with their head coach, Billy Donovan, after five seasons due to the performance that they had in the uh, bubble. So. Right. It's firing season. Um, yep, for the NBA anyways. And then the good news to come out of the NBA, other than like playoff spots and things like that that have come to exist, the Boston Celtics announced they will be donating $25 million over the next 10 years to battle racial injustice and address social issues that affect black communities in the Boston metropolitan area. So they're taking a stance trying to help the community as well as partner with local police departments and things like that to offer trainings at the cost of their monies instead of the police department's monies, which hopefully the police department will be more open to accepting, you know. We'll see. I think it's a great thing that, you know, a lot of these teams are finally starting to put the money where their mouth is finally instead of just being like, yeah, we, we support you in this. Like, yeah, they have the funds to make a real change, so I'm glad they're finally starting to do it. Right. Especially considering they're a league made up of mostly African-American athletes. Right. It's like, if anybody should be taking the lead, that's, it's you guys. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Between them and the NFL, it's like, come on, like, what are you doing? I mean, I question what the ratio is for people who make decisions like this with the NBA rather than players. Yeah. Because the, you know it's not the players necessarily who put this together. It's got to be, like, at the very minimum, players association. So who knows yeah, there's, the breakdown there. But then also the higher-ups. There's still very few African-American team owners right now in right. in the NBA. That percentage has been growing steadily. You're seeing a lot of players invest in organizations in order to gain ownership rights, have access to boardrooms to make decisions like this. To and, get more of a voice. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that's a very important thing to happen. So I'm, I'm glad to see that the NBA is growing on all fronts with those types of things because it's important. Like, yep. it shouldn't be a, like, 95% African-American athlete percentage and then ownership be less than 5%. Like, that makes no sense. Right. At all. It's exciting to see that change slowly coming to, to fruition. But that's all the NBA news I have. I don't know if you have any weird tidbits hiding. No. no. Thank God. So we're on to Premier League then. No, we're not. No? Where are we next? Local soccer. Oh. MLS. I didn't write any notes for MLS. I don't consider it a league. Well, it's called Major League Soccer. There's a league in there somewhere. 
Sure. They announced its schedule for the next phase of the regular season, revealing the next three games for each team throughout the end of September. And additional 2020 regular season matches will be announced later on, depending on further developments regarding travel protocols, safety protocols. I don't really have a problem with the way they're doing this. Obviously, it it's rough for a fan to only know three games out what the schedule is going to look like. But at the same time, it allows them to be very flexible. Like with our company, we went to weekly schedules when COVID hit because we didn't know what was going to happen, what was going right, to change. Right. So like I get it. It leaves them very flexible. At the start of everything, things were changing on a daily basis. It's not quite at that point now, but... It's good that they have flexibility like that. Yeah, it gives more respect to the players, and I, for the most part, I would believe the fans as well. And they also announced the format for the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs. The postseason will consist of single elimination matches hosted by the higher-seeded team and followed by a straight bracket format through the MLS Cup, which is supposed to be on December 12th is what I have written down. It's going to be weird watching the MLS Cup in December. It's going to be strange. And instead of the regular 14 teams included in the playoffs, they're also expanding it to have 18 clubs, so four extra. It's going to be like the NHL where everybody gets in except for like five teams. I don't know how many teams are in the MLS, but 18 sounds like more than we actually have, so... There are more than 18 teams, I promise you. Apparently. Yeah. And that's all I have for MLS. Okay. There's literally two in LA and two in New York. That'll help you understand it. I think there's like three in Florida now. I might be wrong. Maybe still just two. But yeah, there's teams everywhere. As I stated, I don't have any MLS news. I don't consider them a professional level league in the comparisons of European soccer or Latin American soccer. I agree they're not a real thing, but they are a thing technically. So. Well, there are players that are obviously making a living playing, so technically it is a professional league, I guess, Yeah. by that definition, but so are AHL. It's just never going to be the same thing as international soccer. So moving away from MLS, thank God. To real soccer. Yes. In the Premier League, they are currently mad at the government over fans returning. They wanted to do, because the new season has started, there was hope that fans would be allowed back into the stadium starting on October 1st, but that doesn't look like that's going to happen. They wanted to use the uh, Manchester United game against Crystal Palace on September 19th as like their test event and allow 12,000 fans. Awful idea. And the government basically said... If you want to do a test event, the most amount of supporters you can have is a thousand. And I, I, I get it. They want to be able to contact trace the people that are going to be there. Right. And it's a lot easier to contact trace a thousand people than it is 12,000 people. Right. Because you got to think every person probably comes in contact with a dozen to two dozen people a day. And it's just like huge numbers. And the league felt like that wasn't the 1,000 was not enough to properly test and evaluate their safety measures, which is also probably true. Yeah, without a doubt it's true. They basically, all the clubs in the Premier League deterred holding test events until they can bring it up numbers wise until it's sufficient to allow proper testing. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. The clubs obviously want the revenue. 
Right. And I understand it wholeheartedly. At the same time, when you don't have fans in the stands, you have this amazing ability to have these long, giant advertisements that you can put on your stadium seats. And a lot of organizations and other leagues are doing that, including the Premier League. Right. And you can sell that for probably more than you are ticket value, I would imagine, but maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they also make money in so many other ways. And, like, that's the whole point, diversifying how they make money so that they are always making a profit despite paying millions of euros for players and stuff. But without fans, you're definitely losing one of those, like, branched-off diversity ways of making money. So the question for me is, are more fans buying, like, jerseys or masks or things like that, that they wouldn't have if they were just going to the games? Are they making money other ways? Better all, advertisement? All the home away and third jerseys just came out. Some of them, and I actually had it here in my notes, some of them very nice looking jerseys. Other what the hell happened to them jerseys. Right. Like Arsenal's new blue jerseys, they look like they're trying to do navy camouflage. Like it's the ugliest thing I've seen in my entire life. But that's here nor there. But yes, yeah. jersey sales are probably up right now. Nike, Adidas, Puma, everybody just released all their jerseys within the right. last month. So, so while they're losing one of the arms of their money stream, making, they're, they're gaining. also gaining, especially like you said, with advertising. Yeah. I'll be honest when I heard you say that you were talking about uh, the Premier League not being happy with the government. I thought you were going to reference Newcastle being shut down by not only the Premier League, but the reason the Premier League shut down the idea of the deal was because the British government was like, no. Not everyone cares about Newcastle the way you care about Newcastle. Which is stupid. <laughs> sure. The point being is it got ugly this week. The owner of our organization came out and stated that the Premier League didn't even give them a fair opportunity to rebuttal the decision, which they are allotted to actively in the court of law in the United Kingdom. And the Premier League basically said, we were waiting for your rebuttal. So it's like, which is it? Who who did what, where? And then the owner, Mike Ashley, came out and stated that the head of the Premier League basically said it's never going to happen. And so it's just been a back and forth, back and forth well, ugly argument. Just because someone tells you it's never going to happen doesn't mean you can't try to go against whatever they just did you have a chance to say something still so it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and everyone's story doesn't quite line up but in the middle somewhere is the truth yeah mike ashley is still adamant that he's going to get a deal done this year i just as a newcastle fan i hope and pray that it happens because i'd really like to be the next manchester city where money comes in from the middle east and all of a sudden you have a team that wins all the games because you get all the players no one should want to be manchester city but the quality of Manchester City is what I want my team to be. It has been a lot of years under Mike Ashley where it's like, I'm not spending money this year. It's like, did you want more money to come in from the organization? Or do you want to purposely tank the team and then just sell it for pennies? So I think owners need to be willing to spend money. But at the same time, the idea of new ownership for like my hockey team, I that would scare me. Not at all for me. They they promised to put in almost $300 million in the first five years in not only building the organization and coaching staff and staff 
behind, you know, the closed doors, but also on the players. But I, I thought exciting. this was the group that's, like, shady and doing things it's not supposed to do. Sure. Depends on where your opinions stand on that. The Qatar government would lead you to believe that it is 100% the sheikh who is responsible for everything that goes on in his country, which... He's not. He doesn't own the company that was pilfering games, like streaming games of their feeds in the Arab Emirates. But at the same time, like, that would be like saying a hacker in the United States is to blame Donald Trump 100% for it. I know as a liberal believer, you would be on board with it. But the fact of the reality is he doesn't have control over every single person in this country and there's no way to prove so far of any evidence that links him to this company that's doing it. So it's like, get off his back. He doesn't have anything to do with it. So should there be an investigation to see if his hand's in it, and then if it's not, let him buy the team? Yes, but they're not doing that, and that's the problem. Ah. They're not giving him an opportunity to plead his case, really, about it either. So as a Newcastle fan, I'm upset. I have high hopes and we'll leave it at that and then we'll talk about newcastle's first game where they won two to zero so newcastle made four signings See, you don't need someone to spend money well we didn't really play that great of a team either this week <laughs> so i don't know if that's necessarily true but newcastle won two to zero in their first game of the week end of the season with two of the new players that were added to the team this year callum wilson Scored in the 56th minute with a tap-in from a Jeff Hendrick cross. Uh, when I say tap-in, his foot was about as high as the goalie's head. And the goalie was coming out for the ball, but Callum's leg got just a little bit ahead of the goalie to getting to the ball and pushed it in past the goalie. I don't. If I was the goalie, I would hesitate like he did. He definitely didn't look like he committed 100% to trying to make the save because he saw a foot with cleats coming at his dome. Right. <laughs> like... I want to make the save just as much as the next guy, but I also don't want to be kicked in the head. That is not something I want. And then in the 87th minute, Jeff Hendrick buried a beautiful goal from outside the box. So uh, it's good to see Jeff Hendricks just kind of like getting right in there, doing some work right off the bat. Both these guys got pretty healthy paydays. We were expecting them to perform on all cylinders when they got there, and they are, and that's great. So I'm excited for the next game, be it later on in the week. We also have some of the comparable DFB Pokal style games in the, the UK. The names changed so many times over the years. It's just a pain to keep track of it. It was like the Capital One Cup, then it was the Barclays Cup, and then it was the Caribou or Carabao Cup or something like that last year. So it's just whatever the new name is for this year, it's the English style championship like DFB Pokal that they have some games this week as well. Also, Arsenal defeated Fulham 3-0. Lacazette scored in the 8th minute. Gabriel Magalhasi, I totally butchered that last name and I apologize, scored in the 49th. And then the reason we did this, because it's Arsenal, Aubameyang, your ex-striker, scored on a PK in the 57th. 3-0 win for Arsenal to start off. And then the funny news of the week. I enjoyed this one. Liverpool almost drew out against the team that got promoted this year from the lower league. You Uh, never want to see that if you're the champion. And they literally won due to a PK in the 88th minute. That was close. Too close, most people are saying. Leeds United actually had 58% possession in the game. So he helped played Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool just had more natural talent, so having the ball less was fine. But wow. That's nerve-wracking. Like, I couldn't fathom being the returning champions and almost losing to the team that just got promoted from the lower league. That certainly shakes your confidence. And also maybe build your confidence if you're a player for Leeds United. Like, 
like, wow, we did really, really well. Like, this could be a good season for us. And then last but not least, Leicester City wins 3-0 to over West Brom. Uh, that was earlier today. Uh, there was another game going on right now, but it was at halftime when we started recording, so I'm not sure really where the scores are at on that one. Which game? Again, not sure where that game is going, but I'll find out for you. It was Everton and Tottenham. and actually Everton Ever- won. Yeah, 1-0. That was unexpected a little bit. Looks like a goal... In the 55th minute by Calvert Lewin. So good good for them. But that's about all the news I have in the soccer world. I don't know if you have anything else outside of Premier League. Nope. This week, DFB Pokal kicks off. It's going to be yesterday and today was a lot of no-name teams playing. Newcastle, or not Newcastle, but Dortmund plays tomorrow, I believe, against Duisburg. And then Bayern Munich plays later in the week. I'm not sure who they play against. I think it's a lower-level no-name team, kind of like Duisburg in that instance. Early rounds are always a little boring. You see a lot of the young guys get opportunities to play against these guys. Yeah. That usually have other jobs other than soccer and then also play semi-professionally so i think that's all i have this week obviously we'll be starting the nba conference finals we will probably have the nhl conference finals wrapped up we should hopefully by next week know who the stanley cup teams are at that point it depends on how everything shakes out i really don't see the east going to seven i don't really either i think it'll be in six or it'll be done sooner just depends on whether the lightning turn it back on or not But all of our social media will be linked in the show notes. And we really appreciate you guys' time and listening to us and giving us all sorts of comments and likes on the social medias. We'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.